Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Who here is a strong man? Come on, every hand needs to go. Who, 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 who is a strong man? You think it's a trick question, don't you? you think, oh, I'm not going to answer that. He's going to get me to do something stupid. So, Axel, you're a strong man. You're a strong man because you're the only guy with your hand up. That takes guts. Um, if, you, if you're not a strong man, you need to be. That's the whole purpose of real men. We need men strong. We need you at your strongest. In order to be a man in this culture, in this time, in this society, we need you strong. And I want to I talk to you this morning very quickly about staying strong. I was in uh, New Zealand recently. Uh, a great preacher was speaking on this very subject. I did think about maybe even showing the DVD of what he shared. Uh, but in fairness to him, it was a conference and he spoke uh, a length of time that we don't have this morning. And so I want to put my thoughts in and around this subject this morning of staying strong. Because we need you as men to be as strong as you can possibly be. But here's the thing, even strong men get tired from time to time. And so it's not about just being strong, it's not about just having a moment of strength, it's about staying strong so that we don't undo what we did in those moments of strength and blow it with some dumb decisions. And so I want to read from the text this morning, and I want to read from uh, the book of Judges. The book of Judges is found in the Old Testament in the Bible. If you don't know what the Bible is, it's, a, it's the world's best-selling book. And uh, that, that means it has um, you know, some significance. It is the world's best-selling book. And so I want to read from Judges chapter 16, and we're going to talk about a man by the name of Samson. Uh, for those of you who have been in church a little while, um, you, you may be aware of who this character is. I don't want to assume that everyone here this morning has been going to church for some time. And uh, I also know that there are plenty of people who go to church for a while but don't read their Bible and don't know certain characters of the Bible. So I don't want to assume anything this morning. But this guy was um, a, a supernatural gift from God to his parents. And um, he was dedicated to the Lord. And he, they, he, they were, the parents were told in no uncertain terms that this is a special kid. He's got a special call on his life. And uh, you're not to ever cut his hair. And uh, his hair will represent incredible strength. And so as a young man growing up, he did some incredible feats of strength. And so he became really problematic to the enemies of Israel at that time. And so Samson, when he grew up, became an incredible leader of the people of Israel. And he became very problematic, in particular for the Philistines. And so I want to read to you from Judges chapter 16. Um, and it says, Sometime later... Okay, so here's Samson. He's leading the nation of Israel. He's been doing some incredible feats of strength. And then he fell in love. Turns into a little bit of a love story right here. So there's all this strong stuff going on. If you think the Bible is boring, you're not really reading it. Because if you like blood, guts, war, fighting, love, romance and all that stuff, it's all in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And as dads in particular, you've got to let your kids know of all the, the blood and the guts and the gore. If you've got sons, you need to take them to the scriptures where there's blood, guts and gore. Read those scriptures. That, they'll come alive. They're like, wow. If you've got daughters, talk about the love and the romance. It's all in there. This, this is the world's best-selling book. And um, it says that he fell in love with a woman by the name of Delilah. 
when the rulers of the Philistines went uh, to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. And so Delilah said to Samson, This is not subtle. She comes straight out with it. She's not in love with him. She's just in love with money. She wants the 1,100 shackles of silver, and so she's not going to beat around the bush. I mean, why get the money later when you can get it sooner? So she goes straight up to him and says, tell me the secret of your great strength. I mean, there's nothing subtle about this woman. Anyone know what I mean? Anyone know what I mean with an unsubtle woman? Anyone married to an unsubtle woman? (laughs) Dave's hand went up. Dude, you you haven't even been married a year. If you want to see your first anniversary, keep your hand down. My gosh, he's all tough now that your wife's not here, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to ask you that same question in front of your wife tomorrow. We'll see if that hand goes up then. <laughs> Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. This is not subtle. How can I tie you up and subdue you? He's so in love with her, he's thinking of other things. Tie me up, that sounds good. (laughs) He's not getting what's going on. Love is blind. And lust is even blinder. And so he answers her. He says, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Now, that was not the secret of his great strength. It was to do with his hair. So what is he doing with her? He's flirting with her. He's toying with danger. And so she does to him what he said to do. And the Philistines were hiding, waiting to subdue him. And so she says, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he just breaks off the ropes. No problem. And this goes on for a period of time. Not once, not twice. It just goes on and on and on. And then the Philistines come to Delilah and say, hey, well, what is this? You're wasting our time. You told us that you would get this man to show the secret of your great strength and all you've done is waste our time so far. I'm speeding up the story for the sake of time. And so what she does, she goes to Samson and nags him. Day after day, after day, after day. Do we have any wives like that, Dave? Are there any men that know what I mean when I talk about a nagging woman? He hasn't been married long enough, which is to suggest, Wayne, that you have. So you've heard. Did Benno tell you that? I can't say. Benno's saying, my wife's perfect. He said it just loud enough to be on the tape so she can listen to it. That's all right. <laughs> He's not a strong man, but he is a smart man. And, and uh, anyway, so Delilah is now, she's just, she's in a rock and a hard place. She just tries and she's nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging. In verse 15, it says, Then she said to him, How can you say you love me? When you don't confide in me, this is the third time you've made a fool out of me and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she probed him day after day until he was sick to 
death. Are there any men who know what I'm on about? Be quiet. So he told her everything. I don't think he intended to tell her everything. He was just having a bit of harmless flirting. But he got so worn down. This was the strongest man of his day. This was the strongest man of his generation. And he got so tired that he just told her everything. Long story short, tells her the secret of his great strength. She shaves his head. The Philistines come. They capture him. They pluck out his eyes. And then he's left to grind the millstone. That's the story of Samson and Delilah. This man was the strongest man. Are there any strong men here? We need you strong. And we need you to stay strong. Samson was incredibly blessed, incredibly gifted. And yet he lost his strength because his soul was tired. If we are going to stay strong, we've got to keep our soul refreshed. Samson's soul grew tired. And when your soul grew, grows tired, we do some strange things. And I want to quickly go through some this morning as warning signs to us that we might have a tired soul. When you have a tired soul, you give away the secrets of your life. Samson was harmlessly flirting with Delilah. He had no intention of telling her his strength. When he was in a strong place, he was fine. But over time, everyone say over time. It's over time that she wore him down. It's over time that circumstances can wear you down. I was talking to my friend Justin who's flown all the way from South Africa just to be with us here this weekend. He's throwing on a conference called Hillsong to it, but apparently he was here for us. So welcome Justin. But he was saying, how do you stay fresh in ministry after 20 years? These are some of the things I'm talking about. It's recognizing these things. It's not just enough to have a moment of strength. We've got to have a lifetime of strength. And to do that, we've got to refresh our soul. Otherwise, we're going to give away the secrets of our lives. We're going to say things that we will regret. We were told when we were younger growing up, if you ever write a letter, don't post it on that night. Sleep on it. If you still feel the same way in the morning, then post it. We don't do letters now. We have something far more instantaneous. We have social media. And social media is a blessing and a curse. And if we're not careful, if we're just tired, we're going to say some things that we're going to ultimately regret and find hard to undo because when you have a tired soul, you give away the secrets of your life. And that's exactly what we saw Samson do with Delilah. There was also a man by the name of David. He was a king of Israel some time later. And uh, he, like Samson, was a strong man, a great man. But, you know, he grew tired. And so when he was meant to be fighting, he decided on one occasion, I'm not going to fight, I'm just going to stay in the palace. And it was by staying in the palace that he caused a massive problem in his life. When your uh, soul is tired, you're going to give away the secrets of your life. You're going to say things you regret. Secondly, when your soul is tired, you're vulnerable. As I've already mentioned, Samson started out strong, just a bit of harmless flirting, his first few conversations had nothing to do with his strength, but it was over time he became vulnerable. 
And so I want you to know that when your soul is tired, you become vulnerable. We need to be people who have a strong and refreshed soul. There's another man in the Bible by the name of Elijah. He was another prophet of Israel, a mighty man used by God. Had this one occasion where 400 prophets were put to death because they were up against him and he won this incredible battle. But straight after that, with a tired soul, he wanted to die. He was vulnerable. You are your most vulnerable after your best wins and your biggest losses. And so when you feel invincible, you're vulnerable. When you feel useless, you're vulnerable. They're the times we've got to be careful the most. Because when your soul is tired, you get vulnerable. And this man, Elijah, wanted to die. He wanted to give up. He wanted to give in. He began to isolate himself. Can I just say this when it comes to discouragement? Discouragement is a passing phase. And if we can just hold ourselves and refresh ourselves, we can get through those discouraging times. Every one of us has been discouraged. But we don't want to stay discouraged. We want to stay strong. Number three, when your soul gets tired, you undervalue what you have. Samson had great strength, but he lost the value of that great strength. He would rather be with a woman who was messing him around than hold on to the thing that God had given him. When your soul is tired, you're going to lose value or lose sight of the value that you have in your marriage, where you live, the job you have, the church you go to. It, it, we always think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, when in actual fact the grass is greener where you water it most. And so we've got to learn to water where we are. And so instead of looking at another woman for those that are married here, and saying, I wish you were more like this, honey. How about we just encourage our wife to become all God's intended her to be? Let, let's invest in the marriage that we're in. Let's invest in the job that we're in. Let's invest in the church that we're in. And let's not undervalue where we are or what we have. It's amazing we listen to Matt. Now, how many of you think, I wish I was a cyclist? We're going to have a lot of guys going for a bike ride today because of you. Oh, I'm going to be a cyclist. I want to represent Australia. You know what? You never will. Just being honest, you're not Matt. Your butts aren't working like Matt's is working. And we can undervalue. But God doesn't need every one of you riding a bike. He doesn't need every one of you working certain places. He's put you in a place for such a time as this. Don't undervalue who you are or where you are and what you're doing. And within the church family, let's not cover one another's giftings. We need you at your strongest. We need you at your best so that we can do all that God has called us to do. When your soul gets tired, you undervalue what you have. Number four, when your soul gets tired, you underestimate the impact of your decisions. Samson made a terrible decision, but he didn't think too much about the impact that it would have on his life. And when you're tired, we often don't think about the impact of our decisions. I've been in ministry for well over 20 years now and it never ceases to amaze me that people that are tired, tired physically, tired of their marriage, tired of their church, tired of their ministry, make decisions 
We've had people just make a decision to divorce their wife. And, and, and you lose track or lose sight of them over the years. And then you meet up with them years later. And they're a shell of the person they used to be. Because they didn't realize the impact of that decision. Hey, look, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying it's going to be easy to stay where you are and to work through your problems and to work through your situations. But this I know, that more often than not, by working through them, it's far better than running away from them. The impact of just walking away and giving up and giving in. How many people just change from job to job to job to job, thinking that the problem is their boss, thinking that the problem is their church, thinking that the problem is their city, thinking that the problem is the weather. How many people do you know that have gone from Adelaide in the winter months to go to Queensland because it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too rainy, it's too this, it's too that. There's not enough theme parks. Got to go to Queensland. And yet statistically, it has been proven that the most unhappiest people are in Queensland. Because the unhappy people that left their city to go to Queensland took themselves with them. See, where you go, there you be. You've got to get this. Where you go, there you be. When your soul is tired, we underestimate the impact of our decisions. I don't know what you're going through. And on few occasions, we do need to move and change. But more often than not, it's about standing and changing yourself. And we need strength. We need you strong to be able to make those changes, to be able to stand and stay where we are. Maybe the problem in your marriage isn't your wife, just maybe it's that guy that you look at in the mirror. Just a thought. I know for me, when it comes to raising our children, this is what I've learned, that 80% of all of our kids' problems really has a reflection of my wife and my relationship. Because kids are intuitive, kids pick up, they're very sensitive. They can't articulate that. And so when our kids are playing up, when our kids just aren't quite right, the first thing I do is look at my relationship with my wife and see what tension we are bringing into the home. And I've learned that 80% of all their problems are our problems. And once we've settled that 80%, the 20% we just smack their behind as hard as we can. <laughs> Where you go, there you be. Number five, when your soul is tired, you just don't think right. Samson was not thinking straight. I mean, you've got to read, when, when you read it with hindsight, you think, Samson, you have to ask this. Whether you're a Christian in this place or not, if you read the story just as it is, minus the God factor, take the God factor out, just, just, as, a, just as a sane man, just to read this as a story, you have to ask yourself this, what were you thinking? Dude, didn't you catch on that she told you, Show me the secret of your great strength so I can tie you up and subdue you. I mean, like, dude, what were you thinking? But that's just that when your soul is tired, you don't think right. How many of you have been in a place where you just haven't been thinking right? And when you're not thinking right, it's dangerous because everybody's really going on. This is what I've learned about most people, not just men, but most people. Most people just don't see things as they really are. They see things as they are. Do you get the difference? Most people don't see things as they really are. When your soul is tired, you never see things as they really are. You see things as you are. I'm frustrated. I've had enough. I'm annoyed. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. That's because that's how you are. 
But what are things really? When your soul is tired, you're just not thinking straight. Number six, when your soul is tired, you lose your vision. Samson, after he'd been subdued, they gouged out his eyes. In other words, he could no longer see. When your soul is tired, you don't live for the future, you just live for the now. We need you strong so you don't lose your vision. Because when you lose your vision for your marriage, when you lose your mission, uh, uh, vision for the future, you're going to make some dumb decisions. They're going to have an incredible impact on your life. As a church, we want to be a vision-driven church. As a husband, I want to be a vision-driven husband. As a dad, I want to be a vision-driven dad. When I speak to our kids, I speak about the future. They don't always understand why I'm disciplining them now. And so the only thing that can make sense about the now discipline is the future reward. Kids don't get that. But if we don't stay strong, we won't get that. We'll become like kids. We'll revert back to being children. Number seven, when your soul gets tired, you get hurt easily by others and you'll want to quit. Samson, having had his eyes plucked out, lost his vision, found himself going round and round in circles on the grindstone. There are so many men I see, they hit their 30s and 40s and above, and now they're just grinding away, going to work, which is not how you started this life. When you were kids, you dreamed. When you were kids, you imagined. That tree you climbed was no longer a tree, it was your castle. And you fought off Indians. You fought off the Viet Cong, the Nazis. You, 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 you waged war against the world. And then we got hurt, rejected, told that we weren't good. We lost our first race. And now we just get our nine to five job and this is all we can expect. But I'm a Christian. You know what? I wish a lot of Christians weren't Christians because they are the world's worst adverts for Christianity. You grinding away saying, I'm a Christian though, praise Jesus. I was like, you know what? I wish you, I wish you weren't. Because I know guys that say they're not Christians and they're having far more fun than you are. We, we have a responsibility to showcase who Jesus really is. When Jesus came to planet Earth, he showed us what the Father was like. And Jesus was not a boring guy. You know why I know that? Because the kids liked him. No kid's like a boring old fart. No kids do. Kids stay away. Kids have, a, kids have an inbuilt radar. Boring, boring, boring. Ah, oh, he's a fun guy. He's got some life in him. Samson went from subduing nations to just working the grindstone. We were never created just to work a grindstone. We were never created just to go to a job nine to five with no purpose, no destiny. But when your soul gets tired, 
you're going to allow the things that didn't happen, the regrets, the laments. You know, one thing I've learned about myself over the years, and one of the things I've learned that I, I, I'm pretty good at, and that is being self-aware. Because when you're self-aware, you can, you can isolate certain feelings and emotions. And this is what I find a lot of men are not good at. And as a pastor, the, the age-old question is, how, how do you handle people loss? Any pastor that gets together with other pastors, that's, it's the question, how do you handle that? And, and I want to say, when someone leaves our church, it always, it always bothers me. And there's a, there's a lament in my heart when there is people loss. But if I can't understand what the lament is, that lament can turn to hurt, discouragement, pain, bitterness, regret, anger, hatred. Can't it? Is that not why there are so many pastors no longer in ministry? Is that why there are so many Christians who are no longer in church? Because we can't isolate what that is. And I want to tell you, whoever leads our church, I will have a lament in my heart for them. You know why? I've, this is what I've learned. Because I love people. Now I can wear that as a badge. I love people. And I don't have to beat myself up, so I don't have to live with regret. I, I can isolate. It's about your soul maturing. It's about your soul growing. And we need to get mature when it comes to the area of our soul. We need to refresh our soul. We need to grow up. Otherwise, we're going to be led by our feelings. And that's exactly what we see in this man Samson's life. He was led by his feelings. And it led, his feelings led him astray. Instead of understanding what that feeling is, it's because I love people. And if that person was here right now, I'd probably say the same thing. You know, with my mum passing away last year, I, I haven't cried to this day. Do I miss her? Yeah. But I said that to someone just last week. I said, it's amazing. I haven't cried since my mum passed. And Kath almost prophetically said, this, that's because you live with no regrets. You said everything you wanted to say. You did everything you wanted to do. And, and that's absolutely true. And I think one of the things that kills men is the regrets we have. Because we didn't say what we should have said. We didn't do what we should have done. We were too busy being macho and we never gave our young daughters the love they needed, the physical touch that they needed. And so we live with regret. Don't, don't be those men. You know, we can't bring back the past, but we can forge a way forward. And that's what real men is all about. It's about taking you where you're at and helping you where you're at and moving us from where we are to where we want to be. That's why we need you strong. Because to face some of our demons, to face some of the things of our past, we're going to have to be strong to get through it. And I don't want this message to be crippling or overwhelming. But I want us to be strong so that we can face our future and adjust and make changes to the areas of our life that we need in order to move forward. In Jesus' name. What's the time? Sorry? Beautiful. I had three things here I wanted to quickly share. I'm just going to say them as opposed to teach them that we can do to keep our soul, or so, to, sorry, to guard our strength. And that is that we need to practice the presence of God. Stay in His presence because in His presence is a fullness of joy. Secondly, 
We need to get our life in balance. It's amazing when Elijah felt suicidal, depressed and wanted to give up and give in. An angel came and baked a cake. It's an amazing thing to me. Sometimes when the pressure's on, we get our life out of balance. <laughs> and, and, and the word of the Lord was this, eat, drink, sleep. How much of our eating and sleeping and drinking is affected by how we feel? Elijah was worried, worried he wasn't eating, wasn't drinking, wasn't sleeping. He didn't say, he didn't say pray. That's what he was doing a lot of. But we're not just spiritual beings, we're physical beings as well. So what are you eating? How much are you sleeping? What are you drinking? Number three, prayer and the word life is really important. I know these things can be a cliche, particularly in uh, Christian circles. But after 20 years of leading this church, my daily routines are still in play. Prayer life and reading the word, staying close to God, have to be a part of our life. Otherwise, we're going to get a tired soul. And it's a word of God and, and time with him that can refresh our soul again. We will get tired, fellas. We will. We will feel like giving up and giving in. That's, that's going to happen. If it's not today, it's coming. But if it is today, know this, relief is coming. I was told once that you never get out of a train in a tunnel. You're going to get hurt. Just, just, you, sometimes you've got to go through things. Sometimes you've got to go through things to get to the other side and be better at the end of it. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I want to thank you for this room full of men. I want to thank you for the hunger to gather together, the hunger to learn, the desire to be more like you. And it's my prayer this morning that we would not just be strong men, but that we would stay strong. And that's difficult because we all grow tired and weary from time to time. But I pray that uh, as we continue in our word and prayer life and continue in our fellowship one to another, that we'd find the strength required so that we would not make silly decisions that would impact our future negatively but that we could hold our ground, hold our line, and become more like you. And we ask that, Lord, not just for the men in this room, but for the families that are represented, the workplaces that are represented, the shopping centres that are frequented, the schools and the universities that are attended. We need to be strong because there's far too many poor adverts for Christianity out there with your strength, may you help us. We ask that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.